0: Future Proof Extra
1: with Jonathan McRae.
0: Proudly supported by Science Foundation Ireland on News Talk.
1: If you have acute migraines, your doctor might refer you to a neurologist. If your asthma is particularly bad, you might be sent to a respiratory specialist. They'll then use their expertise to alleviate your symptoms, but often won't be able to tell you what's causing your illness because often we don't know. So what if the ultimate cause of your issues isn't happening in the brain or in the lungs, but somewhere else? Doesn't that present a problem for how our medical system works? Well, the resounding answer is yes, according to our next guest. He is Professor Harold Schmidt, chair of the Department of Pharmacology and Personalized Medicine in the University of Maastricht and the author of The End of Medicine as We Know It and Why Your Health Has a Future. He joins me now. It's a provocative title, Professor Schmidt. What do you mean by the end of medicine as we know it? Yeah, it may sound more negative than it
0: actually is. Uh, It basically means that we are at the beginning of a real revolution in medicine, which a lot of futurologists think is uh, much more important than renewable energy or industry 4.0, because it's, I mean, what can be closer to ourselves than our body and our health? And if something really substantial is changing there, then this this must be extremely important for our societies. And it's actually very much connected to what you say, that in the moment we have an organ-based medicine. So for every organ, we have a clinic, we have a specialist, yeah. and even a research discipline, so neurology, neuroscience, neurologist, yeah. exactly. And so we really believe that by looking at one organ, And whatever happens there, just as you said, we can define a disease. And if this patient has any other symptom in any other organ, that's something for a different specialist I refer that patient Hmm. to to someone else. But we know, for instance, and also what uh, you said is absolutely correct, we hardly understand any disease with respect to its cause. So uh, we only left with treating symptoms in most cases. So, for instance, high blood pressure is a very good case. 95% of all patients with high blood pressure are diagnosed with primary hypertension, which means in normal language, your blood pressure is elevated, but we don't know why. So, Those patients get medications that dilate blood vessels, most of them. And then, of course, the symptom elevated blood pressure disappears. But we don't treat blood pressure so that everyone has the same blood pressure. We treat it because it correlates with the risk for a stroke or a myocardial infarction. Mm. And most patients with high blood pressure actually don't get a stroke or myocardial infarction, actually Mm. about 90% of them. And of the 10% that get one, this type of medication only prevents maybe two of those 10. So eight still get their stroke or their myocardial infarction. So we call this uh, the number needed to treat. How many patients do I need to treat in a certain disease with a drug so that one patient benefits? And in this case, it would be one out of 50. And for some drugs, it's even worse. It doesn't mean that people should now stop taking their blood pressure medication, but it means don't rely only on your blood pressure medication and don't be happy with that. Go deeper. Also do other forms of prevention and research will actually in future – Probably no more call it
1: uh, hypertension. We will actually come to
0: the roots and actually treat the
1: causes. I thought we were in the golden age of medical discovery, um, or at least a renaissance of it. Is it fair to say that we don't understand the causes of most systemic diseases? Yeah, yeah, that's why we have so many
0: chronic diseases. It's like if you, let's say, you bring your car to the garage because the, the headlights of your cars are com- are constantly failing, and uh, the, the, the owner of the garage tells you, well, I know what the problem is with your car, the headlights of your cars are constantly failing. Then you say, thank you very much, I knew that, but why are they failing? And then they say, I don't know, uh, but you have to come in now every three months and we replace your headlights. Hmm. This is how many medicine works in the world. For most diseases, we do not know the causes. That's why we have so many chronic
1: diseases. If you can't repair something, it's chronically defect. So that sounds bad. So what is the good news, Harold?
0: Well, the major change is that uh, because of the availability of uh, big data from from uh, huge uh, populations and a completely new approach to, to medicine, namely giving up this uh, organ-based uh, subdivision in medicine, basically unifying all the data again, which is not manageable for a human brain, of course, we all of a sudden see connections between different diseases that we would not have expected before. And when we look then, for instance, at uh, common risk genes between different diseases, those risk genes lead us to the underlying causal mechanism. A good example is to make that easier to understand are rare diseases, um, where usually a single gene is so important that uh, if it's defect, it already causes the disease. And those patients have very often, symptoms in two, three, four, five organs. Yeah, and that that already uh, tells you defining a disease by a symptom in an organ makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. So, in in the case of more sort of common diseases, we have. Several genes that are not so essential affected, and very often with a good lifestyle, we can keep that risk under control. But in some diseases, we can't, you know, they we have symptoms. And if even more genes are the cause, then it's even more likely that we will have symptoms in several organs. Mm. But if we lump together diseases by, for instance, one symptom like hypertension or migraine, as you said uh, in the beginning, we we may lump diseases together or symptoms together that actually have two three, four five different, completely different causes. And so we need to fiddle this up, we need to take all of this apart again and start defining diseases by genes, molecular causes, in the end, molecules. Yes, we have to define it by uh, signaling events in the cell
1: because that's what we can actually treat with drugs. So rather than looking at the the symptoms that a patient is experiencing, looking at what the molecular pathways are in the body that eventually end up in these symptoms. Can you tell me what you mean? Uh, by systems medicine you talk about this in the book and the interactome or the disease What are, what are they and how do they help yeah this? the
0: yeah the disease is basically um, when you look at all human diseases at one so for instance you can link diseases by common genes that's the example that i just mentioned but you can also look at so-called comorbidities so if two diseases very often occur in the same patient this may mean These are actually not two separate diseases, but they are two symptoms of the same underlying cause, otherwise they wouldn't so often occur together in the same uh, patient. Mm. And so you can um, construct a lot of uh, these disease networks, also if two diseases have the same symptoms, and then you learn from them, and primarily through the associated genes, you then dig to the underlying mechanism and thereby define the disease. And systems medicine means that you do not split up the body anymore by organ, but you unite everything, which, of course, means that that's for a human brain basically not manageable anymore. So what we also predict that uh, in the future, the uh, diagnosis of a disease and probably even the -the state-of-the-art best treatment is decided or very much assisted to a medical doctor by um, machine learning or artificial intelligence.
1: Yeah, um, there has been a lot of talk about the potential role of artificial intelligence in supplementing doctors to treat their patients. And we're starting to see some headway with that, but it seems to me like it's taking quite some time. Do do you think that uh, AI is is going to have a significant effect on diagnosis and treatment recommendation in the, the near future? Absolutely, um,
0: where we see that in the moment already is in image analysis. Yes. There have been so but many. But that's such papers. a narrow
1: form of AI image analysis. I mean, it's it's, it's one form. It's maybe
0: the the, the easiest one. Uh, you basically have a set of uh, X-rays, one without cancer, and then the AI can can learn them. Um, in the uh, case of um, diagnosing. Other diseases, for instance, uh, subtypes of hypertension, we first need to have a couple of those uh, clinically successful uh, subtyping events and actually clinical proof in patients that treating those subtypes differently is of benefit before any machine learning process can start. You first need a couple of successful examples on which machine learning can start then uh, you have another set where you do the validation and then you use it for uh, future unsolved cases. So with respect to disease mechanisms, that's a little bit early, that's where in the moment this new form of research is working on this systems medicine or network medicine research. But I see no reason why uh, this in the end Are basically they are decision algorithms. Once we figured out the connections of all gene variants to um, disease risks, it's basically a decision algorithm Mm. provided a patient has generated from him or herself what's called a digital twin I think that will be eventually needed you know with some handwritten notes from your GP and some PDFs uh, an algorithm will never be able to predict for you personally what your risks are so I would uh, suggest to everyone in a moment get your personal genome sequenced of course together with some a human genetic uh, advice that you don't overinterpret that, mm. and uh, there are other fantastic tools that patients can use in the moment. They're they're very robust um, sort of uh, symptom checkers, so where people can even self diagnose them in an evidence based manner, not by googling uh, around. We see more and more digital application for self therapy, for instance in depression or obesity and so forth. So. We'll see more and more of that.
1: yeah, and, I mean, uh, I, I see a, a, a lot of value in in taking control of your own data, getting your genome sequenced, and then allowing some AI to be able to identify what the likelihood of a certain drug um, is for working or identifying what what the dosage might be for you personally based on 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 uh, evidence. But what about a, a a database of biomarkers? You're talking about you know all of these diseases. Uh, that it may have different, it may have different causes in the body, or may be linked, and we and we're not quite sure. Wouldn't a, a database of biomarkers for all of the diseases that we have biomarkers for? Wouldn't that be really useful to start identifying relationships between these diseases? Yeah, but um, there are different uh, sort of
0: versions of biomarkers. For instance, you could say elevated blood pressure, elevated cholesterol yeah. is certainly a biomarker. But the biomarker that we are looking for, markers that actually show us that a specific disease mechanism in this patient is affected or not. Yeah. So it's a different type of biomarkers. And it's it's that's… In the moment, actually, uh, the, the biggest knowledge gap that we have or, or research goal that we uh, we're quite good in identifying already disease mechanisms, but then how to identify them in the patient, that is actually uh, the probably biggest challenge. Mm. Um, I'm not a big fan of these omic fishing expedition where you measure everything possible in the patient and then try to correlate. What we really want is that we uh, pick out a specific specific mechanism and
1: uh, try to measure it in the patient. And we're doing yeah. actually Well, I mean, you, could, I mean you, you can do both though because every once in a while you come across something very unsuspre- unsuspecting where you find a correlation between two things and it can lead to an extraordinary discovery. But it doesn't happen very often, I agree. And maybe it's not worth all of the effort of, of throwing everything into, into AI and waiting all that time better perhaps to start with a lead. But um, the the one problem I have with, with this vision, um, Harold, is the practicality of life when you are the Minister of Health trying to decide what you spend money on. And right now, Stephen Donnelly, our health minister, has a, a lot on his hands. And yet we desperately need digital health records in this country. We need um, more genetic testing. We need uh, all sorts of patient registries. And it just takes forever. This dream that you're talking about may seem like, in theory, five years away, but in practical reality, to many people listening, particularly those who know the health system in Ireland, it's 50 years away. (laughs) It's it's a dream.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I... I live in Germany. It's uh, not much uh, different there, actually, with respect to digitalization. Um, I'm talking more about the scientific potential. The scientific potential will actually be there in, I would say, five years, yeah. ten years years—the the, the very least. We're doing now actually such clinical trials in uh, subtypes of heart failure, subtypes of Alzheimer's, subtypes of stroke, and uh, we're seeing great results, high efficacy and so forth, and high precision. Yeah. You know, not this number needed to treat of uh, 50 or so, but much, much lower so that almost every patient will benefit. Another hurdle will be if we say, you know, systems medicine is the future, give up this uh, organ-based special. And uh, what? How will a neurologist, forty-five-year-old yeah, yeah, yeah. who has just become the director of a huge neurology clinic, what will he say?
1: Well, uh, well, I mean, you're talking about ripping up the entire medical system, and uh, I feel you may have some resistance there. But it's some very interesting ideas, and certainly. Uh, more communication between departments coming yeah. to a diagnosis for a patient is always a good thing the book is called the end of medicine as we know it and why your health has a future professor harold schmidt uh, from the university of maastricht thanks for your time thank you
0: future proof extra
1: with jonathan mcrae
0: proudly supported by science foundation ireland on
1: news talk